Good evening. Time to begin services this evening. We begin with number 585. 585, if you would please stand. Arise. <clears throat> Soldiers of Christ, arise and put your Seventy-one. In his time, eight seventy-one.
The scripture reading this evening comes from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. You know therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Can you bow with me, please? Father in heaven, we're thankful for this day, Father. We're thankful for this opportunity we have to gather here this evening, Father, to worship from you. Father, we pray that you'd be with Chris as he brings us a lesson. Help us to be good listeners, Father, and apply these things to our lives. Father, we pray that you'd be with all those that were mentioned this morning on our sick list. Be with them. Be with their families, Father, and all those tending to them. Father, we thank you for everything you do for us, and thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross to save us. And it's through his name we pray. Amen. For the lesson tonight, number 52. 52. Song after the lesson is What the Lord Has Done Is Me. It will be on the screen only. For the lesson number 52, would you stand again, please? All praise to Uh, from the Greek, I'm more comfortable in Greek than I am in Hebrew, so that's why we're doing Greek. Um, so tonight we're doing one, um, and it, it really means spiritual progress, but that's how you uh, would spell it on the screen behind me. You would say it prokopto, uh, but it means spiritual progress, to make spiritual progress. Let me show you this in Scripture. So if you don't already have the Blue Letter Bible app, I would suggest getting it. 
part of what I want to do with, when we study these words is to kind of walk you through how you figure out these words, what they mean and where they're found and how they're translated. And so I kind of wanted to do that for a little bit tonight, but if you've got your Blue Letter Bible app, uh, you, can, you can go find this term. You need to know where it's at in Scripture. Um, so this one occurs in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. So if you've got your Blue Letter Bible app, you, all you have to do is hit uh, the, the verse, Luke 2.52, and then interlinear uh, translations will come up. And, uh, and this, it will take you eventually to um, the, the variety of words that are used in that specific sentence. You find the one you're looking for and you tap on it, and this is what will show up. That, that uh, uh, the, the little icon there where... It looks like a speaker will actually talk to you, and it'll tell you how to pronounce this word if you're interested in that kind of thing. What I'm really interested in is its outline of biblical usage. So this word prokopto, making spiritual progress, is translated a couple different ways. In fact, in Luke 2.52, it's translated as Jesus increasing in wisdom, knowledge, and all the ways that he grew up. That's the word, increase is, is the word. But it could also be translated to beat forward, like you would see a blacksmith. You ever been to Heritage Farms and watch the blacksmith uh, beating uh, some sort of metal into uh, a something? Uh, we like doing that, especially during Christmas. We'll go out and, and watch, uh, among some things, we'll watch the, the, the blacksmith make ornaments or horseshoes or whatever. But it's really interesting. He gets it hot enough. And he starts pounding on it with that, with that hammer he's got on the anvil. And you can watch it lengthen out. You can watch the metal stretch. So it, it's kind of an interesting term uh, or an interesting thing. But that's what this term can mean. It's one of the things that it can mean uh, to, to lengthen out by ha hammering like a smith would. Um, but really what this term is going to mean in Scripture is, is the metaphorical sense. You've seen that toward the end of uh, the definitions here. Uh, so if you can look under the outline of biblical usage, the outline they've given you here is really two options. You've got the, the literal version of to beat forward, to increase, to make longer, those kinds of things. Um, but usually that's not the way it's translated. It's not what God means when he uses this word. Usually he's using it as a meta, in, a meta, in a metaphorical sense, meaning to increase or to make progress. So... If you continue on with the, uh, with the Blue Letter Bible app, you're going to come to a little section that's probably my favorite section. And you need to become at least somewhat acquainted with this section. I like this app because it can come everywhere with me, and it's super powerful. Um, so already you've seen about 20 books in my library. Uh, they've condensed it down into <coughs> just that one little section like that take 20 books in my library. I don't have the opportunity to take those with me very often uh, when I travel, but this Blue Letter Bible app is, is kind of amazing. So I would highly recommend downloading that and using it, becoming familiar with it. It's a little bit of a learning curve, but it's worth it. So the thing uh, that you're going to find useful in this app is Thayer's. Uh, T-H-A-Y-E-R-S. He is a, uh, a Greek expert, was a Greek expert. He's, he's long uh, deceased now, but used to be a Greek expert. And, and so he is the authority, um, widely accepted authority 
on these kinds of, uh, of matters. And so he says uh, this about this word. He gives a couple of different definitions, a couple different definitions. Uh, so he, he also points out that it could mean to lengthen out by hammering as a smith might. Um, but then down toward the end, he's going to recognize as well that it is uh, a metaphorical meaning to increase or to make progress. So the next little bit you're going to find uh, in the final thing as you scroll down that first screen on, on the Blue Letter Bible app, um, this particular word is places where it's been used. And this is every single occurrence in all of Scripture where prokopto is used. That's neat. Um, so you, you may, may be familiar with the concordance, old-style old way of, of doing this, of looking up these type of words. Would, you would use a concordance, but concordances are huge, right? And so this, this app has distilled all of those books, all those resources into one tiny little app um, that is it's, it's phenomenal. So, but for our purposes tonight, here's, here's some of the passages, or all the passages rather, that uh, this word prokopto is used. And so you see here, the beginning one is Luke 2.52, Jesus increased in wisdom. If you notice the, the, the letters or the numbers beside uh, the word increase, that means that that word is our word. It's the word that, that we're focusing on uh, in, in this study. So Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He, he made progress. He moved, right? Um, you see it again in Romans 13, verse 12. The night is far spent. It's, it's made progress. Uh, you can see growth in the night. It's, it's darker now than it used to be. The day is coming. It's very close now. Um, again, in Galatians 1.14, and, and profited in the Jews' religion above many of my equals in, in my own nation. It's Paul speaking, right? He's saying, I excelled. I grew beyond them. I made more progress than any of the rest of those guys did. Um, so you, you keep on seeing these, uh, these terms used. If you look down in 2 Timothy chapter 3, you'll find something we might need to point out. Um, this word's neutral. It could either mean progress in, in evil or it could mean progress in, in good. Obviously, Luke 2.52 shows that you can progress, make progress in, in good. And 2 Timothy 3.13 obviously shows that you can make progress in evil. Listen to it. Uh, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That word wax is our word. It's prokopto. They, they're making progress in their evil. They're making inroads. You can tell. Um, so that's the, the quick uh, Blue Letter Bible overview of this word. I think it's worth downloading. I think it's worth uh, you figuring out the Blue Letter Bible app, I think. Um, it has a learning curve, again, but I think you'll benefit from it. You need, as we've said a couple of times, you need pen and paper as you're studying Scripture. You also need lots of resources. The Blue Letter Bible app helps you cut down a lot of those resources. I'm a big fan of it, and I think, uh, I think it'll be helpful for you as you study. So, what, what are we really going to do with this word? What, what's it mean to us, prokopto? Why are we talking about it? Well, we need to make spiritual progress, right? It's, it's not only possible, it's necessary, right? It's not only possible, it's essential. So let's, let's, let's talk through this. To, to make progress, I'm going to have to do a couple of things. In fact, tonight we're going to talk about four things I have to do if I'm going to make progress. The first thing is I really need to recognize its importance. 
Um, here you've got us and God working together, and, and we've seen that in our Bible class on, on, uh, as we've been walking through the Exodus, um, how man and God, we team up in this relationship that we have with Him. It's not all Him and it's not all us. It's, it's a combination. Uh, we, we work together in this. And so our growth also is a combination. It's a team effort. And so Philippians 6, Paul writes this. He says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm positive. There's, there's not a doubt in my mind. You, you can't talk me out of this. It doesn't matter how loud you scream or how, how, what kind of rhetoric you use. Uh, I'm positive that God that began this good work in you, he can follow it through to the end. He's going to make sure that you get to where you need to be. He's going to hold up his end of the bargain. Remember, this is a team effort. This growth, this, this, uh, us growing, maturing in knowledge, this is a team effort. So God's going to do his part. Paul's sure of it. Holy Spirit wrote this. It's inspired. He's sure of it. And so God's going to hold up his end of the bargain. But here's our end, Matthew 5, verse 6. What is our obligation to growth? Well, we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if you do, then you're going to find satisfaction. If you don't, if you don't hunger and thirst for righteousness, you know what? You're not going to grow. You won't grow. You'll stay right where you are. But that's, that's a bit of a misnomer, isn't it? Because we never just stay right where we are. I've noticed over, uh, I turned 40 this year, last year. <laughs> Years come around right quickly. But so this year I'll be 41. Uh, and I'm noticing, like so many of you have told me in the past, that it's coming. That technology has, is quickly passing me by. Sometimes I, I got an Android. I switched over uh, to Android this year from my iPhone, and I've had an iPhone for 15 years. And you know what? Learning curve's hard. <laughs> uh, I look at uh, some of the, the games that uh, my kids want to play on the fires and iPads and stuff and trying to work around with the settings and whatnot, and I think, oh, this gives me a headache. I used to be the guy that people would come to to fix these kinds of devices, and now I'm taking them to someone else thinking, just make it go, make it work, <laughs> make it function for me the way I want it to function. You know what? I haven't kept up on that technology. Uh, I focused on other things, and I'm not sad about that. <laughs> I'm fine with it passing me by. But what we need to see is if you don't work at something, you don't just stay where you are. You start to die, don't you? Technology is a pretty good indicator of that. It's a pretty good illustration of that as we stop focusing on it as maybe you retire or, or as you lose interest in that mode of technology you stop focusing on it right once you stop playing video games once you stop using the computer once you stop wondering what the newest uh, phone updates going to bring you researching all that stuff, you know what starts to happen. You begin to lose it, don't you? You don't ever stay where you're at. That's, that's the lie Satan wants you to buy into when you think about growing in knowledge of God. That if you just stay right where you are, if you just keep doing what you're going to do, you're, you're, you'll retain all, all the stuff that you've got, and that's just not the case. 
eventually you'll shrivel up and that knowledge, that passion will die. Because that's what we're really after. We're after the passion. The knowledge will come. But what you're after is, is the passion for him, the, the intense desire to just be with him. If you don't work at that, if you don't focus on that, it'll shrivel up and die. It'll pass you by. Just like technology is quickly passing me by. Flip over to 2 Peter chapter 3. It's the verse uh, Brian read for you this evening. 2 Peter chapter 3, I want you to see it again. We'll point out something uh, that I'm almost positive you're aware of, but it's something that we need to think about. 2 Peter chapter 3. Listen to what he says here in verse 17 again. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, excuse me, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Where does he say that that is um, optional? Where does he say that, that growing, that growth is optional? It's something you don't have to do. It's something you, you can do. Where, where does he imply that in that passage? It's not there, is it? He says, this is a command. It's the same type of command as be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. It's the same type of command as be holy as I'm holy. It's the same type of command as forgive or I'm not going to forgive you. These, this is a command. We don't get to skirt it. We don't get to ignore it. If we do, we do so at our own detriment. It's a command we are to grow. Many of us plant gardens in the spring uh, Kelly's planted one the last several years. I say she's planted one because I don't have anything to do with it. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't uh, harvest the vegetables or eat them. Uh, so she, she deals with all that and does a wonderful job with that. But um, many of you will be like us. You, you might do it from seed. Uh, every now and then she'll do, she does a lot of stuff from seed. Um, but every now and then we'll buy like a little plant. You know, like we went to um, Lavalette, I think, uh, this year or last year, and we bought some little tomato plants about that big. We had like 21 different types of tomatoes this year. Cool. So I don't like tomatoes. So, But we bought these little tomato plants that were about that big and put them in the ground. You know what those things did? We watered them. We fed them. You know what they did? They grew. <laughs> Wonder of wonders. They grew, and they produced these tomatoes in all different shapes and sizes and colors, and they were all gross. But um, <laughs> the point is that they, that they grew. They did what they were supposed to do. Had, had you bought one of those little tomato plants and planted it in the ground and it just stayed that exact same size all year, what would have happened? It didn't fulfill its responsibility, did it? It didn't, it didn't do what it was supposed to do. It's designed to grow. You're designed to grow. You can't just stay where you're at. That's not how it works. You're either growing or dying. He has a command for us to grow. Also, we need to grow. We need to get into the Word. We need to study. We need to work on our prayer life. We need to be around Christians that hold us accountable, that encourage us to do more, to be more desirous of being in His presence. 
Flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to see this as well. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul has um, this thought for the Ephesian congregation. They, they're going to struggle throughout the years. Uh, you find them in the book of Acts. You find this letter written to them here. You find them in the book of Revelation. They're one of the seven churches of Asia that, uh, that John will write to. They're going to struggle over the years um, with a variety of things, doctrinal problems that uh, will arise in this congregation. Paul knows that's coming. He knows that's coming in Acts uh, when, when he meets with them for the last time, and he's going to warn the elders. But here you find um, maybe a precursor to that, that warning that they need to grow. And, and watch why he wants them to grow. Let's start in verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. What did, he, what did he give all those offices in the church? Why, why were all those people involved in, in church? So that they could equip the saints, the church, for what? To build, for the building of the body, for the work of ministry. Why do you come to church? Why do you come to worship? Well, there's a couple of reasons, right? One of them is to worship, right? That, that's a necessity. It's also a, a joy. It's the overflowing of of our passion for him. One of the reasons we come together is so that we can grow. Because you can't grow in isolation. That's not how it works. We, we need each other. We, we are dependent on each other, whether we like it or not, whether you like people, whether you're an introvert, whether you're an extrovert. You, you need people. Uh, you need the church. And the more you can be around the church, the more you're going to grow. And if you think you can grow outside of the church, you're going to struggle. That's, that's not how he designed it to be. So listen to what else he says in verse 13. We're going to do this. We're going to keep on teaching and, and growing and building. In verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. Whoa. He's talking about some serious growth now, isn't he? He's talking about some spiritual giants. Things that Satan will throw at these people and that these, these giants, uh, they're not going to be moved by this. To mature manhood. Wow. You know, like you, you see the level of growth that, that he's hoping, demanding that they grow into. They're not going to be there day one, you know. They're, they're not going to be there the, the day after this letter is written and they... They say, well, you know what? Spiritual growth is important. We need to get on this. Um, okay, I'm a, I'm a spiritual giant now. I'm, I'm mature in the faith. Well, that's not how it works, you know. Uh, growing in your, uh, in your spiritual uh, life and growing, making spiritual progress is an awful lot like some of the New Year's resolutions you've made, right? If you don't lose 50 pounds or 100 pounds, does that happen overnight? Not usually, right? How many, how many days, months, years does it take in the gym to pull that weight off, right? How hard is that? How determined are you if, uh, if that weight's going to actually come off? It's because of an awful lot of determination, an awful lot of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, getting up early, staying up late, eating right, sleeping right, going to the gym every day. It's a lot of determination, isn't it? If you're going to grow spiritually, it takes just the same amount, if not more, determination. So... 
Paul says, you be determined and you stay on this track until you get there. We're not going to reach perfection here. He says, you can make an awful lot of headway. Okay, verse 14. Why are we, why are we doing that? Why is, why is making progress so important? Verse 14 tells us. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. He says there's going to be some people and there's going to be some situations that lie to you. There's going to be people who want to harm you. Satan certainly wants to harm you. And so they're going to sell you lies, like some of the ones we talked about this morning. They're going to sell you these lies and if you're not mature enough, you're going to believe them. You're going to believe those lies. And they're going to mess you up. It's like being in a boat in the middle of a storm. You're going to be tossed to and fro. And there's, not, there's, there's only going to be fear. He says you, you grow up a little bit. And some of those, those deceitful schemes Satan throws at us, we see right through them and think, well, I, I know what he's trying to do here. And that's, I'm, not, I'm not buying into that. I'm not going to believe that. I'm too mature for that. I know God too well for this. Let me give you an example. Peter does this repeatedly throughout his life. And he's a great example because we see him early on all the way almost to his death in 2 Peter. The passage that, was, that Brian read for you tonight is, is very shortly before his death. He pens those words. So we have a lot of Peter's life, and he's, he's always in the limelight, right? Gotta love Peter. So we get a lot of good examples from him. Is he this guy? Is he mature? Is he not moved by every wind of doctrine? Well, no, he's not, is he? He's another good example. This doesn't happen overnight. This takes a lot of work. This takes a lot of determination. You don't, you don't get here easy. This takes time, and it takes Hard work to become spiritually mature, to make spiritual progress. You just got to put in the effort. You got to put in the time. There, there's no shortcuts. There's no get spiritual quick schemes, like get rich quick schemes. There's, no, there's none of that. There's no bypasses. There, there's only you put in the work and you get the reward. That's how this functions. Uh, but Peter's a good example of this because you, you find him throughout the Gospels. Um, and he'll do things like, uh, Lord, I'm not going to forsake you, and I don't care who else does. I'm going to stick with you. What does he do? Well, three times, and the rooster's going to crow, and you're going to betray me three times. And he does, doesn't he? Even after the resurrection, Peter's going to change after the resurrection, right? And you see his, for lack of a better term, wishy-washiness pre-resurrection, like when Jesus is still uh, physically on earth discipling Peter, you see some of this wishy-washiness with Peter. But even after the resurrection, uh, you're going to find him in the book of Galatians in chapter 2. Um, he, he is obviously an apostle. He's a pillar of the church. Um, but when some people, some of the Jews, have come from Jerusalem, Peter had been eating barbecue and catfish. He'd been ignoring um, the mosaical food laws, the Jews said that you couldn't eat catfish and barbecue and these kinds of things, pork and 
catfish were no, big no-nos. But Peter's been ignoring those laws, rightfully so, right? God said, don't, don't call unclean what I've cleansed. You get to eat whatever you want to eat now, Acts 10 with Cornelius. Um, so Peter's withdrawn from that. He, he, he's accepted all, all the food groups. But then some people, some Jews come down from Jerusalem, and they meet some of the Galatian church. Uh, and you know what Peter does? He starts pulling back. And he starts adhering to those Jewish food laws again. He refuses to eat barbecue and catfish. He refuses uh, to, to allow the Gentiles to assimilate into the church like they should have and like he thought they should have before the Jews came from Jerusalem. So some of this maturity, if you want a pretty good example for how that hashes out, Peter's your guy um, because he's, he's awfully tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine when he's younger. But by the time he writes Second Peter, he's an older man. And he's had some time with God. And he's had some time with difficulties. All of that has driven his faith so deep in God. You, you're not moving this guy. Tradition says that he was crucified upside down. Because he didn't view crucifixion the way that Jesus was crucified as something he was worthy to endure. So he chose an even more difficult route. You're not moving this, this guy. By this point in his life, he is, he's made so much progress, he's immovable. And it doesn't matter what you throw at him. He's not moving. He's not giving in. So you need to realize its importance. Um, it's, uh, this growth is not an option. It is obligatory. It's mandatory. Something we, we have to do. Otherwise, we pay the price for it. And we're just, we're tossed about like that um, when we hear some new doctrine or hard things happen or we hear something that we like that's not biblical. We fall prey to those things. So to make progress, I'm going to have to realize it's important. I'm going to have to put in the time. I'm going to have to put in the work to make sure that I get this done. If you want to lose 100 pounds this year, awesome. That's great. As long as you're not 120, right? 120 pounds. Um, but if you want to lose 100 pounds, great. What's Paul say about that? Bodily exercise benefits a little, but spiritual exercise, that'll win you an imperishable crown. If I'm going to make progress, I'm going to have to have a good plan. I'm going to have to stick with it. Um, this plan, I, I don't know what your plan would look like. I, I've got some, some, some general characteristics of a good plan, uh, but really what I know that the plan involves is the church because you can't grow outside the church. It's, it's, not, it's not possible. Um, you remember when, when we were doing online church services during COVID? How many, how many of our faith took a hit? It's hard, wasn't it? I think it was hard for everybody across the board. I, I don't know that very many people grew during that time period. You know why? Because we were away from each other. That's not how we were designed to be. We were designed to be around each other. We need each other. Um, we need each other to hold each other accountable. We need each other to, to teach each other, encourage each other. We, we need each other. So whatever your plan looks like, it involves the church. If you're going to grow, it involves the church. It involves being around the church more regularly and more uh, intentionally, 
you can't get away from it. It involves the church, uh, whether you like people, whether you don't like people, introvert, extrovert, it doesn't matter. You have to be around the church to grow. Second thing it involves is, is Scripture. You're not going to be able to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ without this book. You can't do it. Um, now, maybe you want to listen to an audio Bible. Go for it. Great. If you want to read it, go for it. Great. If you want to read one book and study on it all throughout the year, fantastic. If you want to read the whole Bible throughout the year, fantastic. But you, you're not going to grow outside the book. You've got to put the time in, put the dedication in, and stick with it. That's the, the stick with it. That's why we, that's underlined there. You've you got to have this resolve. Um, you're not going to grow outside of, uh, of prayer. You're going to have to work on your prayer life if you're going to grow. Um, that, that's it's just, one of, it's just one of the ways you do it. If you want to become stronger, how do you do that? You sit and, on the couch and watch TV? It's, it's just not how it works, right? That's not how you build muscle. You want to lose weight, you eat more, right? That's just not how it works. If you want to grow, you're going to have to be around the church. You're going to have to read scripture. You're going to have to pray. These are things that we have to be intentional about. These are things we're going to have to work hard on. Not all this comes naturally for everybody. Um, if you're reading, retention is not as high as some other people's, then you might struggle with Scripture. But it doesn't give you an out to not read it, to not study it. Um, if your prayer life is not on par with somebody else's, it doesn't give you an out that, that you can just deny that aspect of spiritual growth. You still have to Figure it out. So um, in Matthew 6, 12 good Jewish boys, men, come up to Jesus and they want him to teach them to pray like he prays. We can grow in prayer. Absolutely. And it doesn't really matter how old you are, how much you've studied in it, and how, 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 how well you've done with it. You can grow in prayer. But it takes time. It takes dedication. It takes hard work. So... Find a plan, make it a good plan, because good plans involve those three things, the church, scripture, and prayer. They might involve other things, but they certainly involve those three things, church, scripture, prayer. If, you don't, if your plan to grow doesn't involve those three things, it's a not a good plan. <laughs> Find a better plan, right? So have a good plan and be determined to stick to it. Sometimes we let ourselves off the hook a little too easy. I'll just miss this day. I'll, I'll, I'll just uh, put this on the back burner for right now because I've got something else coming up that needs my attention right now. We let ourselves off the hook a little too easy sometimes. So let's be determined to stick with our plan once we get it formed. A sure sign of growth. And you'll see that this year, if you really stick with this, um, this, this determination to grow spiritually, a sure sign of spiritual growth is a desire to be around Him. You want to be around God. Um, you want to read Scripture. You want to pray. You want to be around His people. When that desire starts fanning itself into life in you, then you can say, oh, I've made progress. All goals... What, 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 what do they say about goals? They should be measurable. Uh, that's, how you, that's how you know you've made a little bit of progress in, in the spiritual arena is these, these markers. 
I'm desiring more now to, to be around him. And so uh, prayer comes easier. Bible study comes easier. Making it uh, to, to services becomes easier. So we need to set goals. Listen to one of Paul's goals. Um, I've always loved um, this, this goal of Paul's. Romans 15, verse 24, to the Roman church, he says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. What's Paul's goal? Well, he wants to make it to Spain. Why is he going to Spain? Because he's already taught, taught the gospel to everybody in his area. You don't do that without a goal, right? So we need to figure out our goal. Paul had them. We know he had them. You don't accomplish the things that this man accomplishes without goals. You're not going to be able to accomplish where you want to be at the end of this year if you don't set goals. Make them um, reachable, attainable goals, but make them push you a little bit. We, we talk sometimes about dreaming big for God. What, what's possible? Um, what do you want to achieve in God's kingdom for 2024? Think about that and, and then maybe grow it by two or three sizes. Just, just barely out of your reach so that God can come alongside you and you guys can work together to achieve that goal together. So goals need to be attainable. They also need to be measurable. We talked about that just a second ago. But we need to set goals. The final thing we need to talk about if we're going to grow is we need to use our talents. Um, you, you've got Timothy here at the end of Paul's life. You know Timothy is very close to Paul. Um, and it's most likely that Timothy has um, his spiritual miraculous gift was given to him, I would imagine, by Paul himself. Whatever's going on in Ephesus where Timothy has been left by Paul has so trodden Timothy under. He, he's kind of been run over by a bus a couple of times and backed up and run over again. Uh, but whatever this thing is, it, it's caused his gift, it's caused him to not use his gift like he should have. And so Paul reminds him to, to, to fan that gift back into flame. Don't, don't ignore that. You've got some gifts that if you were to utilize them in the kingdom... They'll help you, won't they? they? They won't just help you. They won't just spur you on to a deeper desire, a more passion for uh, God, a, a bigger passion to serve in his kingdom. But they also help his kingdom, don't they? So the admonition here is to use your talents. There's something that you're good at, and there's something that the kingdom here at Rome needs. Wherever those two things intersect, is where you can serve, and it's where you should serve. If you've got a, a passion, a hobby, a habit that can be of useful in the kingdom, where those two thoughts intersect is where you serve. And if you serve there, I can almost guarantee that you're going to make some spiritual progress. That's, that's how it works. You use your talents in the kingdom, and he begins to grow those things. Flip over to Matthew chapter 25 very quickly as we... As we close uh, this evening, Matthew chapter 25, 
you're familiar with this parable, it's the parable of the talents. Jesus tells this, ter- this parable. Um, in the parable, he envisions three servants. The first man is given five talents, the second man is given two talents, and the last man is given one talent. And then the master of the house goes on a far journey. We don't know how long he's gone, but he's gone for a long time. This is a parable about the second coming, right? And it's Jesus' point is, you need to be faithful while I'm gone so that when I return, I'll find you how I want to find you. So this parable is not about talent. Talent is, is a uh, um, denomination of money. It's, a, it's a, an amount of money. So don't, don't read too much here, but I think it's fair for us to use uh, this uh, parable to explain our, our point with using the talents. The five-talent man invests somehow, invests the five talents, and, and he's able to double the talents. While the master was gone, this guy was faithful, and he doubled what he was given. We know people like that, don't we? People that are just, they seem like everything turns up gold. Whatever they touch, they're, they're good at it. Almost everything that they seem to put their hands to. That's the five-talent guy. But not everybody's the five-talent guy, right? Some of us are two-talent people. Um, and, and so this guy, he gets his two talents. The master goes on a faraway journey. He comes back eventually. And this guy, he too has doubled his talents. He didn't start off with what the five-talent guy started off with, did he? He didn't have as much talent. He didn't have as much. He didn't start with, off with as much, but... The point is not how much he started off with, but how well he did. He, too, doubled um, the, the take there. He ended up with four talents. And so when the master comes back, he looks at both these guys and says, well done. It didn't matter how much they started with. It didn't matter how much talent you had to begin with. It mattered what you did with it, right? And so both the five-talent and the two-talent man are welcomed into God's kingdom. But the one-talent man, who's lazy, he's not willing to work, He doesn't want to put in the hard work. He's not determined. Scripture calls this guy lazy. And he is not welcomed into the kingdom. In fact, he is cast out of the kingdom into the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we use our talents for God. We find ways to put what he's blessed us with into practical application to make his kingdom better. To get his point across to people. To bring them to him. So what are are your talents? However that talent intersects with God's kingdom. It's where you ought to serve. That's That's your wheelhouse. And I guarantee if you serve in that capacity. Really if you serve in any capacity. You're going to make spiritual progress. That's how it works. But if we're, we're lazy and we're not, we're not wanting to put in the hard work there, we're going to struggle. Tonight, uh, I don't know uh, your situation. I, I, I don't know uh, how, how hard you've been working for the kingdom. I, I know so many of you and so many of you have worked so hard in the kingdom over such a, a great stretch of time. Um, and and I'm, I'm proud of you and I know that the Lord is proud of you as well. Some others, maybe, maybe you're struggling. Um, maybe 
Maybe you haven't been using your talents. Maybe you haven't been as determined as you know you should be. Maybe you've not been baptized tonight to have your sins washed away. Maybe you have been and, and you're struggling. We want to pray for you that you can be everything that God would have you to be. If you have any need tonight, if we can help you in any way, why don't you come as we stand and sing. Good evening, church family. A couple of announcements before we are dismissed. Um, as a reminder that this, this coming Saturday, uh, there's a youth event um, meeting here at the church building at 1215. They're heading to South Charleston at Memorial Ice Arena for ice skating. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, also, uh, if you're a Mike's Life group, uh, you'll have uh, soup and sandwiches in the middle auditorium after Sunday services. So you'll have your group meeting um, uh, next Sunday uh, after morning services and then high school devotional after Sunday evening services uh, for the high school kids at the Parker's house and also next Tuesday is young at heart um, at 1030 and we're planning on going to the armory updates on our prayer list remember continue to keep Jimmy Wilgus and Jim Martin and Jackie Hutchison in your prayers um, as they deal with the cancer at this time, keep Friday Simpson in your prayers as well, and keep Jim Haney in your prayers as well. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. If you had not had the opportunity, oh, yes, Fonda.
Okay, ladies' class starts back up at 10 o'clock in the morning for all you ladies that uh, go to that. So it's always neat to see all them uh, there for that. Where was I? Oh, communion. Sorry. If you have not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, it has been prepared. Uh, you can go in the conference room now uh, to take that. Um, and we'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Close this evening. My life is in you. My life is in you, Lord. My strength is in you, Lord. My hope is in you. Would you pray with me, please? Dear God, our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for the opportunity that we've had today to assemble together to uh, praise your uh, great and awesome name. Lord, we're uh, thankful for the many blessings that you give to us each day. We pray, especially, Lord, for those that could not be with us today, we pray that uh, you would uh, bless them and strengthen them according to your will that they uh, com can come out again and join us. Lord, we're thankful for the message that we have heard this evening from your word and uh, so thankful for the scriptures that give us uh, guidance and hope that we need as we, as we go through this life. Lord, we pray that uh, you would help us uh, as we go through this new year to uh, become mature in the faith, pray that uh, you would help us to be uh, better followers uh, this year than we were in the past. Lord, we pray that uh, you would go with us in this new week, and we uh, pray that we would always look to Jesus uh, as we go through uh, our, our days, and so thankful for the great love that you have shown us and the gift of your Son the salvation that we have through him. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.